Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to the inaugural episode of One Two Punch. Player one, Shaquille Madjui. Player two, Sugar Sean Ross Sapp. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. It's it's great to see a podcast back on Fightful MMA. I'm really excited for, to see what people think. Yes, I now know what it's like every time you do listen your boy with Jimmy Van. I feel like I'm talking to my boss. I feel like this is some sort of like employee-employer assessment that you're putting <laughs> me through. So thank you for all this I, drama. Yeah, I, I I don't like to think of it like that. I'm nowhere near as tyrannical as Jimmy Van N- nowhere near nowhere near that plus he won't wear anything with a nike logo on it he doesn't spend more than than 12 dollars on his on his clothes the i appreciate that though you know what uh, like i don't need people to know that i got money in the bag you know i just like the comfort man i just like the comfort they make nice hoodies agreed completely agreed now um for those i mean everyone is joining us for the first time let me give you a little breakdown of how things are going to run here <laughs> Uh, We're going to cover the biggest news stories of the week, but we're going to do it on a win-loss-draw system. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to talk about Michelle Watterson beating Angela Hill. What that means is we're going to kind of break down who the biggest winners and losers are of the week in regards to the biggest stories. And then we're going to draw some predictions for what's coming up. Now, before we get started, I am going to do my best to not screw up this live stream. I'm going to hit an intro. Now, what is it? It's just a Fightful Punch intro. Oh, yeah. We'll see how that turns out in post. I mean, it's looking good on my end. I mean, they could hear you doing your countdown and stuff. Actually, do you have an eye on that? Because that's perfect. I was about to Yeah, I have an eye on it. Yeah, of course. You see, this is is a true professional. This is the kind of guest I need every week. Now, um, before we get started officially, if you guys want to engage with us, please head over to the chat. Uh, I'll do my best to monitor everything. It's going to be a work in progress. I thank you for that. Uh, if you if you would like to donate to the super chat, we will absolutely make sure we get to it. And if we don't for some reason, I will donate my left kidney to whoever you'd like. Oh, nice! Yes. I like that. You got, I got me. To put the pressure on my. Well, you me. You I got student. I got student loans to pay. I'll sell it. <laughs> I'll flip it. I like the sound of that. We were actually. I was having this conversation with some friends. It's like, if we had to make a quick buck, whose organ would we most be willing to just? Ooh, donate there, and what Oregon? Oh, who's? I thought like, like it was a a pretty wide, broad thing. Like, who has the best organs? Who has the most effective organs? You know, some people are athletes. They might be more in need of some parts of their body than others. Yeah. Now let's start with speaking of athletes. Let's get started with the biggest winner of the week. I don't know about you, but for me, Michael Chandler hit the lotto. 
Uh, news comes out on Thursday via SportsCenter. Dana White, UFC president, says that Michael Chandler has been signed to a contract and he will serve as the official backup for Habib Nurmagomedov. And I swear to you, that's how you pronounce the name. Versus <laughs> Justin Gaethje. Um, what was your initial reaction when we heard about this? I thought that Michael Chandler was going to be a Bellator lifer. I really did. And I'm a little bit surprised that he's not. Um, I'm pretty sure that Bellator probably gave him a really good offer because who else they spending money on these days? But, I mean, this is a guy that a lot of people thought was done at the top level six years ago when he when Will Brooks had his number and Eddie Alvarez beat him. But he came back, and, and he has been consistently – near the top ever since and i mean gosh he, how many times has he had the bellator lightweight title three, three times, times. Yes, that's sir. unheard of that's unheard of well one it's unheard of for people in bellator to even defend their title enough to to lose it three times much less win it three times but he's won nine of his last 11 since the will brooks thing i, I like it he's won five of his last six so it's not unheard of that he would be an alternate for this I'm all for it, but it's going to be real weird to not see him under that Bellator umbrella. Now, the funny thing is UFC does have the rights to some of his footage to promote him because he had a couple of fights in strike force mm-hmm. like a decade ago. So they have uh, footage of him finish, finishing somebody with strikes and tapping somebody out a decade back to hype him up. I'm very excited for this. It's, it's fresh. It's new. And really, the lightweight division did need a wild card, so to speak. They needed just somebody tossed in there, as good as it may be. Now you got Michael Chandler Ferguson, Michael Chandler Gaethje, Michael Chandler Habib, anybody. I I love it. I think he is the biggest winner this week. I I think it added a really interesting wrinkle to the storylines going into this fight. Like, Could you imagine if Michael Chandler in his UFC debut wins not just any UFC title, the lightweight title, one of the most stacked competitive divisions in the sport. I think the last time you had anything like this was probably when Joe Soto filled in last minute and fought TJ Dillashaw for the Bantamweight belt. I think Ken and Barrow, that was the rematch between Dillashaw and Barrow. Barrow fell out due to some weight cutting issues. Uh, And Soto obviously fell short, but man, what what an instant, instant impact it would make in the division to have a debutante win the world title. I, I do wonder, however... Yeah, thanks for... Uh, first of all, Carter, thank you for the comment. No, 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 Michael don't, don't reference that. Don't reference that person. <laughs> yeah, don't reference that person whatsoever. Okay, done deal. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, uh, the, this is learning on the job, right? The uh, yeah. wrestling fans start making their way over to the MMA side. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to give that person any, uh, any promotion there, loser. But, uh, yeah. Um, what do you think this is, you know, now, this is obviously a huge win for Michael Chandler right now. Let's say he does fall into a fight against Habib or Gaethje at UFC 254. How big of a deal would a loss be? Like, does it set him back a lot? Because in a sense, you're making your debut on the grandest stage of all, possibly the biggest card of the year. Uh, But on the other hand, though, I don't think anyone watching, at least especially on the casual side, is going to expect him to win that fight. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean... I don't think he's going to hit Hector Lombard territory or anything, but look at Justin Gaethje. He, he beat Michael Johnson, but he came in and he lost two straight fights. Mm-hmm. Now, those were fight of the nights, too, and, and outstanding fights. And even the one that he won was a fight of the night. So he was coming in there, and even though he lost two, he had three just 
insane performances. I, but even the two losses didn't necessarily kill his credibility. He rebuilt that, and I think that Michael Chandler would be absolutely capable of doing so. We've seen him do so. Granted, we saw him do so in his late 20s, early 30s, as opposed to his mid-30s, uh, but I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and I think there are so many high-level high level lightweights that one error – equals a win for some people like like it, it you pounce on that you get that victory there will be plenty of people knowing mma fans that are like ah washed up bellator guy yeah. he sucks bellator always sucked but i mean come on look at the people he beat like you don't just accidentally beat ben henderson a couple times First you don't actually too yeah dave rickles a couple times dave rickles is really good are they uh, eddie alvarez once upon a time are they the level of the UFC top 10 lightweights? Probably not, but still, I, I think that he's he's faced about as good a competition as he can. And I think there's an important caveat here. It's like, we saw it with Eddie Alvarez. We saw it with Justin Gaethje. And I think we're going to see it with Michael Chandler. Uh, these guys come to the UFC from smaller promotions where they ruled. And there is a big difficulty curve. And there's a bit of a learning curve, too. So you're going to see Justin Gaethje almost lose to Michael Johnson before beating him and then lose to Poi and Alvarez. You're going to see Alvarez, I think he lost to Donald Cerrone in his debut before going on to win the title. And I think you're going to see a similar thing with Chandler. It's not that he's not UFC caliber. It's just that there are... Justin Gaethje is a prime example of someone who made enormous leaps and improvements once he saw that the World Series of Fighting style wasn't going to cut in the UFC. I think you're going to see something similar from Michael Chandler. He's going to get tested. He'll probably drop one or two, but he will see what it's going to take for him to make a real run. I still want to see him fight Paul Felder. I think that would have been the perfect yeah. debut fight for him. Do you think Felder would, would take that fight? Do you think that's one that would entice Felder enough to come out of his constant never-ending retirements? I think so. I think especially now that Dana White has presented Chandler as an immediate title threat, I think especially now Chandler's stock is at an all-time high, and I think fighters are fans of Michael Chandler, and I think Felder would be enticed not just for the matchup, but for what the implications are. And, and I should clarify, he did say that he wasn't retired, but he was only taking fights that entice him. That's one that it should entice him and it should entice the UFC because you can sit there and say, Oh, well, Paul Felder, he's a top 10 guy. Michael Chandler just beat him. That erases some doubt or vice versa. And quite frankly, if Paul Felder beat him, he's probably right up near the title picture. If they so chose, who do you think is a better matchup for Chandler? Should he fill in Habib or Justin Gaethje? I think Gaethje, I think, Gaethje is a better matchup for anybody. <laughs> uh, no disrespect to him because he's he's bananas, but we have seen him lose. We have seen him uh, more susceptible than Habib Nurmagomedov, and we've seen Habib in some situations like that too. But by the end of the day, Habib wins that fight, that every fight that he's ever been in, ever in, in MMA. We haven't necessarily got to see the same thing out of Justin Gaethje. We saw him lose to Eddie Alvarez. We saw him get get finished. We saw him get finished by Dustin Poirier. Um, I dread the idea of anybody going five rounds with Justin Gaethje and thinking they're going to win that. But 
there's always a possibility because of Gaethje's style that it could happen. So I think that Gaethje's a much better matchup for, for Chandler. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I, I've been on the Justin Gaethje bandwagon. I've been saying for years that he is the guy to beat Habib, and only now are people starting to kind of drift over to my side of the line. And I see a lot of, you know, with my extremely inept amateur analysis of fighters and their skills never 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 listen to me when it comes to what a fighter is good or not good at but uh, with my amateur eye I see a lot of similarities between Chandler and Gaethje and I just think Gaethje's a lot more refined than Chandler in those areas they both get hit I think Gaethje has tightened up his defense a lot more than Chandler has I think Gaethje's the harder striker and I don't think Chandler's wrestling is good enough to do anything significant to Gaethje so I don't know I think it's a hard fight for him either way if it the fight doesn't happen if Chandler you know cuts the weight goes to Abu Dhabi and gets nothing out of it what do you think the UFC does with him after do they give him an immediate title shot who who is that Chandler yeah if he doesn't oh, end up think... fighting on 254 where does he go I don't think he gets an immediate title shot um I think they would love to end up doing Ferguson and Habib mm-hmm. somehow, sometime. So I think that uh, if 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 Ferguson can win, he'll probably get it. I, I think he'll get like a Felder or somebody. That way the UFC can say, we held him in such high regard, we had him as the backup. Yeah. Now you all get to see him main eventing this show on, on ESPN Plus against Paul Felder. I think that's what they'll do. Fair enough. Um and you're right about the – I'm so – and we're going to get to it. I'm so mm. frustrated that they didn't make that Dustin Poirier-Tony Ferguson matchup primarily oh because it's that the perfect, perfect situation for a fill-in fight. If Gaethje falls out, you finally get Habib versus Tony. And how funny would it be after like seven times over several years of trying to make this fight happen, we get it as a short-notice replacement. And additionally, if Habib fell out, you could put Poirier up there. And Gaethje and Poirier could have that rematch. I thought it was a really easy solution. Yeah, and you could always do Chandler versus Poirier or Ferguson. Well, maybe not Poirier. He's afraid to fight everybody, apparently, is yeah. what I hear. Uh, that's, complete, that's word on the street. loser is Dustin Poirier. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and shout out to Antoine, who recognizes our wisdom in picking Chandler versus Felder. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the biggest loser of the week. Uh, You may have seen the thumbnail, and I don't mean this in any sense of guilt, but it's Conor McGregor. The dude has had a rough, rough week. Uh, He was out in France, I think doing some sort of like charity race. My my friend met his fiance that day, or the day before. Really? Yeah. Was she in a good mood? She said it was very odd, but it was the day before the arrest, so or or the day before he was brought in, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he is detained on charges of um, se- sexual misconduct, as well as, uh, you know, both assault and, I don't, I can't remember what the term is, but basically showing off his diddly dads to an, a woman in private, or in public, sorry. Apparently she was on her way to the bar, according to an alleged witness, and then, you know, he just threw it out there for everyone to check out um now i think it's important to note these have not been proven uh they are only allegations and so i don't want to call him a loser because of what he did or allegedly didn't do but if you look at some uh tweets that he posted and then quickly deleted it's obvious this situation and all the attention it's drawing is really really hurting him so 
Yeah, man. It's a rough week yeah. for Conor McGregor. Wish I could say I was surprised. It's John Jones territory now where when one of those things happen, you go, ah, and, but you're not surprised. You're not surprised that anything like this happens or goes down or anything like that. It's a, it's a strange place for me with McGregor. Like for, for me, not to say, I, I always have more questions when it happens to McGregor than it does Jones only yeah. because uh, Jones has had more evidence piled up against him as well as the celebrity of Conor McGregor is so vast and so overwhelming that I can never decipher whether he is going insane from it or the people around him are going insane from it. With John Jones, like you can just tell he's troubled because you know, outside of Albuquerque, I'm sure John Jones could walk down the street and not get harassed. Conor McGregor can't go anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, when something happens, it's not just the MMA. You know, when John Jones gets arrested, it's the MMA world that's picking it up. When McGregor gets arrested, everyone is talking about it. So, you know, I'm glad that he followed up those troubling tweets with a bit of an explanation. He said, you know, I'm not going to let all this get to me. I'm not going to let anyone sort of take me away from focusing on my family and my loved ones. So, you know, I don't want to speak too much on the allegations until there's more information. But it's without a a hard, hard week for him. The tweets are troubling. Yeah. Very troubling. Um, at least one positive thing came out of all that. USADA showed up on his yacht and tested him. <laughs> and he's like, I've retired. USADA's but I'm going to let him. And he's like, but I'm going to let him test me. And it's like, come on. Come on, man. I, I love when he retires because it's like, oh, quick, quick note, guys. I've retired from MMA. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. It's to the point now where I sarcastically, anytime something ridiculous happens, I'll just quote tweet it and say, hey, guys, quick note. I've decided to retire from the sport formerly known as mixed martial art. Yeah. Because it's it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Thank you for the cheese. Yeah. It's pure insanity. Shout out to Caleb for uh, recognizing all the terrific, terrific work I've been doing over at Fightful MMA. Uh, There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. It's, it's been quite the hustle. And I forgot to say this off the top, but is that, wait, is that your tea? That's my tea. Is that delicious? Like sugary iced tea or is that legitimate tea? Okay, this is sugary ice. Oh, what do you on. mean, le- legitimate tea? Okay, Let wait, me tell wait, you about. Wait, wait. So, and this is we're going to have a talk about legitimate tea this is here. For Caleb and anyone else, it might be an American Canadian thing. This. Oh, it is. So yeah, so shout out to Caleb real quick. Uh, next week, if you tune in, check out Fightful MMA uh, on Twitter. Check out me on Twitter. We'll always have a drink of the week chosen by the guest. I, I fucking hate tea, like proper real <laughs> tea. And I ponied, I suck it, I sucked it up, I put it in my girlfriend's beautiful pink thermos, and I'm drinking some shitty tea, and I love, I okay. love sugary, gross iced tea. But yes. you told me tea, you did not tell me Nest tea or snap. Okay, or so that's the problem, yeah. that's the problem. Tea here is that, that's what tea here is. Nobody has what you all call Nest tea. But when I Nobody... Go- Nobody has any of that junk here. You don't have hot tea. Now, I'll explain it to you. Hold on, please, hold on, hold on. Please. I've got a full story about this. Are you familiar with great drink? You know, Dave Chappelle talks about it in his stand-up. Sugar, water, purple. Yeah. Here, T, 
tea is brown drink. That's what it is. It's sugar, water, and the the brown ingredient is tea leaves, just barely, enough to make it brown. It's sugar water. That's what it is. I go to Toronto for the first time, and I'm sitting down at this restaurant with Jimmy Van. And first off, this waiter comes up and says, you're from Kentucky, probably Lexington. And I said, how do you know that? They said, oh, I lived there for about four months. I recognize the accent. And then I said to him, cool, do you all have tea here? And Jimmy Van was like, of course they do. What, what do you think this place is? They bring me out the worst filtered dirt water I have ever drank in my life with not a hint, not a hint of, of any sweetness or flavor. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I try place number two. I'm there with my wife. They bring me out tea that is sweetened with only a lemon. <laughs> only a lemon. And I said, I ate three strikes, you're out. I go to a pizza place on Yong, and I say, hey, I would love some tea. They bring me out a cup of piping hot tea on top of a plate, not sweetened whatsoever. So the next time somebody says, of course we have tea in Canada. No, they don't. So not anywhere. Here's where I think not- you're getting lost. For me, if, I, if you ask for iced tea, like nine times out of ten, you'll get what you're drinking. But you got to specify that it's iced. Because for us, like, no, tea, oh. no, where no. are you going? No, because then they won't bring it sweetened. They'll bring you unsweetened iced tea. That's what happens to me when I go to the West Coast United States. I ask for iced tea and they bring me. Okay, so this isn't strictly a can. Is this like an East-West thing? Oh, nowhere west of really Indianapolis out here has tea either. And nowhere like north of Columbus, Ohio really has a lot of tea it's very much a south southeast thing i've learned so what you're telling like, me is the minority of north america insists on something that the rest of the continent has a completely different impression of and i'm telling you once you have tea here you'll be like all right that ain't so bad that ain't so bad tea, listen, I, I would have been thrilled if you told me we were drinking iced tea i would have gone out of grass that's why you, that's why you were so upset this is why i was so dude i now nah, Sugar. Who doesn't love sugar? All right, Antoine, oh, we are going to get to UFC Vegas 11 uh, at the end, end of the episode. Just a heads up for you. Although I did used to drink my tea sweetened with stevia, you know, in honor of Dan Quinn and The Cure. Are you familiar with Dan Quinn? Oh, what? You cover MMA and you don't know Dan Quinn? Uh, please. That's your homework. Okay, That's your homework. Are you? I actually don't know. Okay, so Dan Quinn was a YouTube sensation about 10 years ago because he called out Kimbo Slice and called out all these fighters. And he, he fought a couple times back in the day. Is he the cop? But he, no, no, no. He swore that Stevia would melt tumors. And all of a sudden, you see, like, Diego Sanchez hanging out with him. Yeah, and Diego's like, yeah, it is. It is the cure. He just deteriorated and deteriorated mentally before our very eyes. It is unbelievable to watch. you gotta got to see it. I feel like Diego Sanchez is a good litmus test for whether or not something is accurate. You know, it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, okay, follow up second secondary losers of the week, uh, and I'll give this one with a bit of an asterisk: Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. First, let me commend the two men. They were supposed to fight at UFC 254. Uh, the Dana White said that they just couldn't agree on a number between Poirier. Well, okay, no, sorry, reporters. 
said that Poirier in the <laughs> UFC couldn't agree on a number. Dana White said the kid doesn't want to fight. And, you know, we know that's horse shit. What Dana White means is he didn't want to fight for pennies. Exactly. Um, and it just, it's kind of disrespectful to Dustin Poirier. Like, how, how much of a company man has this guy been? How fan-friendly has he been? What a good person inside and outside the octagon. And to see him treated like that kind of sucked, which is all the more awesome that Tony Ferguson went to bat for his opponent, both publicly and privately, saying, UFC, pay the man what he wants so we can put on a show for the fans. And I think Tony Ferguson got screwed just for that uh, outspoken support. As is tradition. Yeah. D- that poor guy keeps, it just stays getting screwed every chance by life, by the UFC. If, if Tony Ferguson is not set for life now, much less at the end of his UFC run, they have done something criminal there. Dustin Poirier lost a title fight. He won an interim title fight, lost an interim or lost his title fight against the he didn't complain. He didn't say, oh, you know what? I'm going to sit around and wait. He didn't dominate Cruise it and sit around and wait for years for a title shot or, or something like that off of a loss. He got back in there. He beat Dan Hooker. He took some time away, and he was willing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To get back in there, but wanted paid and deserved to be paid after what nine, ten years in the UFC. I think his first fight was on the, the New Year's show in uh, against Grispy, like back in 2011. So he's been there for a decade and he's fought it all over the place, all over the card main events, uh, co-main events, just on the main card. He's been a pay-per-view regular for them, too. Pay the man. Some Sometimes this thing is like it's for services rendered. Like, Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds, ain't doing too hot these days. But I'm like, you know what? He did awful good for us for about 13 years, so I don't mind him getting paid right now. Pay Dustin Poirier. Because not only is it for services rendered, he's still a top guy. He's 31, for the love of God. Pay him. 100%. And um, shout out to Joseph uh, for chiming in here to elaborate on his comment. There, uh, Ariel Helwani reported that they did try and make Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler, which leads me to wonder why they didn't try to make Tony Michael, or if they did. I don't know what the situation there is. But uh, apparently there were two roadblocks there. One was, again, they weren't willing to pay Dustin enough money. But second of all, and this is the part that's a huge win for me is Dustin uh, wanted to do right by Tony the way Tony did right by him. Dustin Poirier didn't want to take another fight against someone else for less money and screw Tony Ferguson over. 
after El Kakui went to bat for him, both publicly and privately. So, you know, anytime something like this happens, I get that fleeting hope of some sort of unionization or some sort of something. And I don't think we're going to see it, but I do like that more and more top-level fighters are beginning to be dis, uh, disenfranchised by the system. I, I just hope it's a building block. I hope it's one of these things where as these fighters begin to retire, they have more influence over the younger people in their gym and can sort of start planting the seeds for something. Because we've seen Jorge Masvidal complain. We've seen John Jones complain. We've seen Conor McGregor complain. And we're seeing Tony Dustin. Like, these are, the, these are the people we need to be speaking out more. Yeah. And that's that's it takes the top guys to do that. Wrestling has struggled to unionize, and I, I don't think it'd be much of a, a union as much as a, like a players' association, like what the NBA has, because it won't be across multiple promotions right. or anything. It'll be within the UFC. I think they should probably follow that NBA model and get some of that broadcast deal Dude, money. That's too. exactly it. That is exactly it. Like it's insane that the NBA play well it's not insane. It's it's very reasonable that the NBA players get a fifty percent cut of everything. Yeah. And you have the UFC keeping revenue share for fighters below twenty percent. It's insane. Yeah. It's it it is it's an abuse. It's an abuse of power. Absolutely. Now uh we're gonna head over to the, our little UFC Vegas eleven preview before we do, because I just remembered, I'm going to try out the swanky subscribe animation. There we go. <laughs> subscribe. Tap notification bell. It goes a long way to help this channel grow. Like on this video never hurts either. Do you find your like catchphrases just happen organically? Like mine are never yes. good because I never come up with them in advance. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Like I, well, there are some like the FTF thing. Like that was a concentrated effort on Quizlemania. If I want to get something over, it usually happens, but um, it doesn't work necessarily as well as if it's natural or something like that. Joseph has a theory here that uh, both Tony and Dustin want to be on standby for the Habib fight, but you know, UFC wasn't interested. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't. Not for that money, they weren't. Now, uh, you know, if I'm looking at the clock, we've got like upwards of 17 minutes to go i do want to give you a heads up i should have told you at the top of the show one other thing i want to do weekly is play a quick little game we're just going to start with a coin flip i'm sure it'll evolve over time but loser has to tell an embarrassing story related to, ideally related to their time in the industry either mma or pro wrestling whatever you prefer okay so get the get the gears turning a bit i've got a lifetime of embarrassment so I'm locked and loaded. <laughs> so we did the win portion. We did the lose portion. Now let's draw up some predictions heading into UFC Vegas 11 and what's going to follow. I want to stay away from just doing who's going to win, who's going to lose. But I think with this card especially, there are some really, really important things at stake outside of just the main event. So I want to start with this. If Johnny Walker loses to Ryan Spann, he'll be on a three-fight losing streak. Came in as this huge prospect. First-round knockout after first-round knockout quickly earmarked for a fight with John Jones and then kind of had a fall from grace lost to Corey Anderson lost to Misha Serkinov do you think Johnny Walker will be a UFC fighter should he lose to Ryan Spann on Saturday yeah for sure I think he will uh, they give a lot of these they give a lot of people like leashes to to go got four fights in a row that they lose sometimes uh, they'll lose five out of six and they'll still be, still be in the company it wasn't that long ago 
I mean, a, a year ago, he had no losses in the UFC. They haven't fallen that far from that hype yet. I think there's still plenty of opportunity for him to do that. I just think he'll get like really, really low level fighters. Um, Might be a tie to Ivasa situation where you got to scale it back a little bit. Yeah. I think should he lose this, his momentum is dead. Like it is going to this fight. I barely heard a peep about Johnny Walker heading into UFC 244. He was a hot item. So like the Corey Anderson loss was rough, but the Misha Serkinov one was really really or it was in nikita krylov, or, uh, nikita krylov. Yeah, oh nikita yeah krylov. I, I don't know how that guy wins fights i'm not, i'm constantly surprised that a guy who had fought good god how many times had he had almost 20 fights under his belt and he got tapped with a von flu and i'm not talking like the refined osp von flu this is when osp like discovered what a von flu was before his very eyes we saw ovent saint pru discover this move and he's like oh this guy won't let hold of a guillotine uh for for a half an hour i better throw my arm underneath his head and choke him out where do we think Donald Cerrone goes from here? He's on a four-fight skid, the worst of his career. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. What was it like? Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, and someone else. I, I think that he'll keep getting fights as long as he wants fights or until Dana White wants him to retire. So Dana I White think... was a little, you know, he said, like, Donald Cerrone needs to win this fight. Yeah. Um, he's on the back end of his career. But I don't. Like like you're alluding to, if I cut you off, I don't see the UFC stopping this man from fighting. He's still a big draw. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's a, I don't want to say it's misleading because he did lose those fights, but I mean, it's Pettis, McGregor, Gaethje, and yeah. Ferguson. Those are and he arguably all, won the Pettis fight. Yeah, all of those people have held UFC gold in some capacity. Last year, Cerrone won two fights. Yeah. I mean, the year before that, Cerrone won two fights. Um, 2017, we thought that the guy was probably towards the end of his career when Darren Teal beat him pretty quickly. And then he bounced back against Yancey, lost to Leon Edwards. I think he's going to be one of the go- those guys that hangs around. Jim Miller's still around. Andre Arlovsky's still around. And Andre Arlovsky gets paid a lot of money to have very boring fights and to sometimes knock off people that are on hot streaks. <laughs> So they're keeping Donald Cerrone around because at the very least, it's crash or burn with him. Yeah, Cow- He doesn't have boring fights. Cowboy has this interesting career arc where it's like he <laughs> loses the big fights, goes back down the ladder, beats a few up-and-comers, then beats a guy who's on the verge of being a big deal and suddenly, you know, like an ally Quinta, and suddenly you're like, oh, he's back. And, and then we kind of go through this cycle again and again. Uh, Will Ortiz says, I think Tito Ortiz is the ultimate litmus test in life. He's, yeah, him and I'd love to see, you know what? We should get a podcast with Diego Sanchez and Tito Ortiz. Oh my God. That'd be a nightmare. Um, It'd be a nightmare. All right. I I, I posted something on Twitter that got a little bit of traction. Uh, Hamza Chimeyev was talking a whole lot of shit at the UFC Vegas 11 press conference. He was ragging on Jeld Mearshart saying how, like, how could you be a black belt that gets submitted by a blue belt uh he was eyeing for a fight with cowboy who was sitting next to him he was shitting on uh either kevin i think kevin holland like this guy he was talking crap about nico price like this dude was just going after everyone and i tweeted i'm like guys like chamayev 
and I didn't say this out of some sort of criticism, like they need to be knocked down a peg. They need to fall flat on their face because that is when they realize that they are getting too involved in this hype machine. And I could be wrong, but I think there's a cultural element of it. It happened with Francis Ngannou. Such a sweet man outside of the cage. Such a sweet man. But I think he fed into the promotional machine that was the UFC. And I think growing up in North America, we're just more conditioned to the entertainment industry. We understand what's genuine feedback and what is just promotional material. I think Nganu yeah. got a little lost in that. It reminds me of the time that Nganu, they like had him meet Joel Embiid because yeah. they're from the same ge- ge- geographical area. And Nganu's first reaction was like, I want to fight him. And I was like, he's an NBA player. <laughs> what are you like? And it, it seemed like nobody was in on the joke, but him. Shemaev is very much buying into his own hype, yeah. and he better deliver. He better deliver. Uh, Gerald Mearshart is not the most dangerous guy that, that he's possibly going to face. He's not even the most dangerous guy that, that Shemaev is scheduled to face at this point. But still, it, it happened. Like, anything can happen. And what we have seen from Gerald Mearshart is he will bring it to you and – he'll keep bringing it to you towards the later rounds. Like Deron Wynn tapped him out in the third round. Trevin Giles tapped him out in the third round for, for so many fighters. That's like their do or die first, first round, first round and a half. If it's not that it's going to the scorecards, Gerald Mearshart will take any opportunity that he can to beat you at any, at, at any opportunity he can. And he's not going to coast for anything. Um, uh-huh. Alex Alberto G says, uh, Shaquille, you don't like confidence. I am tremendously intimidated by confidence. I feel insuperior <laughs> as a man, inferior as a man. No, it's just for me, there's a very, very nuanced line between confidence and cockiness. I know Israel Adesanya is someone who people perceive as cocky. I perceive him to be tremendously confident. He's very introspective. He knows the work he's put in. He understands matchmaking. He understands... Uh, analysis of his opponents and when he's talking shit and when he gets in front of a mic he knows that he's putting on a bit of a show what i fear with chimaev is he doesn't know where the line is between his own confidence as a fighter and what's promo like i think he's really looking past Mearshart. um yes to make the yes. black belt blue belt comparison i think is silly you know uh it, it's if you roll with a blue belt, first of all, you might get tapped by a blue belt as a brown belt or a black belt when you roll. I've gotten yeah. brown belts before when I was a low-level blue belt. Um, but more importantly, when you throw kicks and strikes and all these different elements of MMA, it's a way different game. And additionally, like he's the fact that they're pairing up with Damian Maya. Um, Joseph makes a good point that you know he had Chimaev had two really great performances, and so he deserves to be confident. I agree. But I think anyone can look at the opponents that you may have faced and the opponents that he's being matched up with now and see that there's a huge gap. Major So I just think Chimaev needs to be conscious of that. And maybe he is, but that's just not the impression I got. Yeah, and, and I like that he's being brought along. I like that most of us had no idea who this guy was in June. And, and now we do. It, it, at least... We're talking about him. That's cool. I like sure. that. I love it. Um, I have no problem with it. I truly hope that we're talking about him winning a fight by next week and not uh, the hype machine gets derailed again. Yeah. 
With the exception of Adesanya, I'm a firm believer that most guys need a big loss to sort of yeah. calibrate, to assess what, you know, to understand what that feels like. Uh, I think Adesanya got that experience in the kickboxing world, but he's a rare exception. All right, just a couple more as we begin to wrap up. Tyron Woodley is 38 years old and currently on a two-fight losing streak. Does he retire if he loses to Colby Covington? I don't think so. I think he'll still try to fight. I don't think he'll want to go out to Colby Covington. And I wouldn't (laughs) want to either. I wouldn't want to either because that's just Colby Covington could say that forever and would say that forever. Man, 38 years old, hasn't won in two-ish years, I think. And before that, he wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire as champion. Uh, in, in a couple of his fights, uh, the, the first Wonder Boy fight was amazing. The Lawler fight was amazing. But, God, this this has the potential to be a very boring fight, too. A, a good fight on paper, but it has the potential to be very boring. I do not think that Tyron Woodley wants to go out like that. I think it, I think he's more likely to retire if he wins mm-hmm. than if he loses. That's very reasonable. Uh, I uh, respond to Alex Alberto G here. I don't know that Damian Maya has officially accepted the fight. Cause I don't think they can actually book yeah. the fight yet. Um, but I don't think Dana White would be speaking about it so publicly if Maya wasn't down. And I think for Maya, it's a, it's a really, really good fight for him. Um, yeah. Thus far, Chimaya has shown off his grappling. I don't think he's going to have that level of success against Damian Maya. And for Maya, it's a big step down from Gilbert Burns, who's now fighting for a title. But the way they've marketed Chimaya and the way they're going to continue to market him, I think it's a really good chance for him to get back. Um, and Alberto also asks about the about Tyron's BLM situation, the way he sort of approached it at Media Day. If you weren't there during a press conference, he basically answered every single question with the words Black Lives Matter. Um, it's not for me to talk about personally. Tyron can yeah. use that platform however he wants. Is it how I would go about it? I don't know. I'm not black. I, I'm, I'm Iranian living in uh, part of Vancouver where Iranians are considered to generally be affluent, wealthy people. Not for me to speak on. Um, but yeah, more I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, no, no problem with him using his platform to do that. Yeah, and uh, that's Joseph, what he wants to do. And Joe Sposa says he doesn't think Chimav would have debuted till 2021 if it wasn't for the pandemic. I agree. This pandemic has been a huge chance for young fighters who are yet to be disenfranchised with the UFC system to just go in there and fight their asses off. We're seeing people fight like three, four times, and we still have a quarter of the year to go through. I love it. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, Colby Covington, is he one fight away from a title shot with a win here? Oh, probably. <laughs> probably. Oh, man. <laughs> You're not a Colby fan. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't like the act, which I think he, he's worked himself into a shoot, so to speak. I think it started as an act. Yeah. And now he's like, he's so far in, he's got to do it. He seems to be easing off a bit. He was speaking to Aaron Bronsetter of TSN, and it was a little bit more of a real, candid conversation. I've, I've seen him begin. It started with the Kamar Usman fight. He was on uh, Food Truck Diaries with Brendan Schaub, and he was talking about the character a little more. I, I think it's good that Colby's beginning to distance. Like, I don't think him forcing the gimmick is going to get him any more popular than it has. He's established all the feuds he needs to. He has the rub from the president that he wants. I, I think it's 
good that he begins to ease off that gimmick a little bit if that's what he is doing. Yeah, and I've seen it here and there, like when he talks to James Lynch as well, like people that he's talked to dozens of times, you kind of see him ease off of it, and then it's like he'll catch himself and be like, ah, oh yeah, I got to run this gimmick thing. Yeah, I I said it in my, we did a top 10 beefs video for Colby Covington. Uh, I, I don't condone the racism, but you can't deny its effectiveness. Sadly, sadly effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the the problem is I like elements of the gimmick. Like I like the trolling. Mm -hmm. I don't like when he calls Brazilians filthy animals. Like there's, he's leaned into low hanging fruit and it's worked. And it's hard. I feel conflicted because there are aspects of it that I like. Yeah. I I find, I, 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 I find myself catching myself. Like I can't support the messaging I found him spoiling Star Wars to be very fun because I don't watch. When he would spoil shit and pin it, yes, the top of his Twitter feed. That was genius. That was my. I I I texted him because I have his number. I'm like, P.S. Thank you for spoiling Star Wars. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) It was. I I thought that it was. uh, Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Which I'm not a Star Wars fan, so yeah. Yeah, and uh, Joseph says it's kind of like the Attitude Era. Or sorry, no. I do think it's kind of like the Attitude Era, actually. But he says uh, the attitude from Kobe is almost trying to repeat the success that Ronda Rousey had in WWE. He saw Ronda when Raw was in Miami last December and said he got the bug to wrestle. I He's had the bug to wrestle. He's He works with Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert makes sure everybody has the yeah, bug well, to he, wrestle. Yeah, he, he's had a pro wrestling match against Tyquil Woodley. <laughs> uh, I can't remember what the promotion was right now. Yes, I Russell remember Pro, that. Maybe? I think it was a Russell Pro event. Yeah, I remember that. All right, last thing here. We got one minute. So uh, I forgot to grab a coin. And like I said, it's going to develop into something a little bit more active. I'd like to get like active participation on this eventually. But uh, flip a coin, heads or tails. What do you want? Tails. It is tails. I guess that means I have to tell a story. That's true. You do. All right. Wow, it's tails three times in a row. It just keeps going on its own. Okay. <laughs> what do I want to tell? Okay, this this is actually one I like. It's not... It was nearly embarrassing. It wasn't so much embarrassing. Um, I covered my first in-person UFC event May 2018, I want to say. It was UFC Ottawa. Cerrone versus Iaquinta was headlining. Uh, and this was kind of my first chance to get to talk to a lot of fighters, a lot of higher caliber fighters and so you know i wasn't going to get one-on-ones at any point so it was like if i have an interesting question that you would typically save for an exclusive i was like i'm going to get it out in the scrum so we get Derek brunson up uh in front of the media and i had discovered that in an old interview with ariel helwani uh Derek brunson used to be a cheerleader in high school so oh. <laughs> You know, we're asking the standard questions and I chime in and I, I, I did not mean this as some sort of like roast or rub. I say, you know, Derek, there's a lot of different, you know, Israel Adesanya talks about how his background in dancing influences his fighting. And, you know, there's always something you can draw from other forms of athleticism. So how did your career as a cheerleader sort of tie into your MMA? And the look he gives me was oh, like no. absolute confusion and befuddlement. And for a moment, I see in the peripherals every media member turn their head towards a <laughs> young guy they've never met before. And the look was, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm thinking to myself, 
I I fucked up. I somehow I got this wrong. And everyone's looking so... at me. And he looks at me and he just starts laughing. He's like, How'd you know that? And he goes into uh... it. He was actually quite nice about it um, uh, but yeah i had a, a few media people tell me like dude we thought you fucked up bad uh, for, he's like, you, you were good it was a great question but for a second we thought you had completely botched it and i, I also got to talk to him again at ufc 244 and uh he remembered me and i asked him hey are you mad at me and he said no unless you consider getting smacked across the head with a baseball bat mad <laughs> oh god Fairly which enough. i mean that there, there's a lot of athleticism tied to, to cheerleading a legitimate question there are some surprising ones like phil davis lettered as a tennis player i think in in college maybe like i didn't see that coming like which then you think about it oh he's built like an action figure of course he'd be good at tennis he barely has to reach across the court to do anything uh that I love that. That's yeah. amazing. It, it, some of the questions I ask, I find to be amusing sometimes because, like, I'm a 24 year old left leaning in one of the most <laughs> progressive cities in Canada. So, like, sure. I'm not. I, I have no. I try my best to not have any assumptions about anyone or anything. But I understand when you ask certain questions, it may be perceived differently by sure. the subject or the uh, audience. But. He was, he was, Derek was a great guy. He was, he was really cool about it. I'm glad that he hasn't murdered me yet. Um, <laughs> Yoel Romero is someone I'm terrified of, but that'll be for the next time I lose. Sure. Flip. All right. Hey, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the inaugural episode of One Two Punch. These will air every Friday at about 11.15 Pacific, 2.15 Eastern. Sometimes it might be pushed a little bit depending on how the weigh-ins go, but we're going to do our best to keep this time slot. I want to thank everyone who engaged with us in the chat. You guys are awesome. We look forward to having you with us next week. Um, uh-oh, it says all my audio stopped for some reason, but I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, we can sign off if that's the case. Yeah. Okay, well, Sean, it says my audio is not coming through, so why don't you say goodbye to everyone for me? Goodbye, everybody. Check out all the great content. Make sure you come in and check out the the uh, live coverage on FightfulMMA.com. Hundreds, if not thousands of comments there every time. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.